Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to All Talk with Hello Sport on SEN. Thanks to Neds. Whatever you bet on, take it to the Neds level. You win some, you lose more. What is up, punters and dribblers? This episode of All Talk is brought to you by Dr. V, Australia's first and best all-natural energy drink. That's right, Tom. If you want to detox and supercharge your physical and mental health, we'll do it with Dr. V. And there are 100% natural energy drinks. It's the way to go. This next gentleman joining us is a friend of the show. We did speak to him uh, maybe last year sometime. Um, but he certainly never appeared on an all-talk. Uh, he is an Olympic medal winner. An Olympic medalist? I don't know how you say that. He's a bronze medalist at the Olympics for boxing. He has a bronze medal. Bronze medal for Olympics. There you go. That's way easier. Kid can box. Kid can box. Kid's a great boxer. Kid's yeah. gone pro. Kid's gone back, back to chase Olympic gold. glory. Unfinished business sort of stuff. Yeah. As a boy, dreamt of gold, gold, gold for the nation. Bronze not going to cut it for the kid. So he's coming back, trying to ply his trade, trying to make the nation proud. He's had a big year, an up and down year. But he's back. One of the most interesting people you're ever going to talk to, ever going to hear from, the great, the powerful Harry Garside. You well, mate? What's been happening? I'm very well. It's been obviously there's a shitload that's happened since you were last here, but it was almost like I swear the last time you were here, like the next day, you were in the newspaper almost for like um, going on the what's the reality show. I'm a celebrity. I'm a celebrity. Get yeah. me out of here! Like that I was, was the trying next. To think today, when was the time I went on? So yeah, it would have been just before. What that was that f-ing like? I mean, I've heard. I think we heard Bo Ryan was on there. I think, but like Bo was on something. He was on something. He's on a lot. I, I think he was on that. I think he was on that. Yeah, it was, mate. It was unreal experience. You never, you never think when you start a sport at the age of nine that you're gonna be, <laughs> gonna be bumping shoulders with like Pete Hallier or. Yeah, man, I'm just like a boy from the sticks who just loves the sport of boxing and going yeah. on something like that. It was, it was grass, but it was, I lost like 10 kilos on that show and was... You don't have 10 kilos to lose. Mate, I was man. really struggling. <laughs> I remember the last, because there was no mirrors in there. And on one of the last days, because I was in there for 31 days, we, um, we, they took us into a port on one of the last trials. And I could see myself in the mirror. I look like I was from Dallas Bias Club. I look, I look very sick. So you very, don't get the Oscar for it. Yeah, <laughs> looked very, very sick. Hell. And was it like, I guess, because like, was it intimidating in any sense? Like with people you don't know. Like obviously you have been you have been known for a while, but like in that scenario, or was it did it did it quickly like melt away in terms of like the who was who and like oh. Peter Hellier, or was that always kind of there? Oh, for myself, it was it was kind of there for for a big portion of it. Maybe mm. not the whole time, but a big portion of it. I felt as well like the first first week. I haven't watched it back yet, but the the first week, I very much felt there was such big energy. I don't know if you know Nathan from Geordie Shaw. I remember Geordie Shaw, huge energy, just like massive energy. And there was a couple other people with massive energy, and I was just like quite. I felt quite introverted at the start. Yeah, right. I felt like I really like felt quite scared because this is like 
big time celebrities, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I felt yeah, like yeah. I was there just making up numbers. <laughs> so I was, um, I found me like, it took me about a week or so to sort of find my feet and just like, I guess be myself, but I found it, found it like quite scary at the start. Did you find like, I, you, you watch shows like, um, Love Island and I'm not comparing that your show to Love Island. Well, there was no f- on I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. Not From what I saw. Not that we're aware of. <laughs> no. that he might be able to fill us in. Yeah. Uh, is that, these people have been living together for like 72 hours and one of them will get evicted and people are bawling. Like, I go, is this acting or do you just form these really strong connections really quickly in, in an environment like that? I definitely, yeah, 100%. We, the first eviction was two weeks. So you, you're on top of each other for two weeks. Yeah. And, and when the first people left, it's like, like we were all sort of waiting for that moment and it was quite sad. I don't know if I was like bawling. I don't think anyone was bawling, but like <laughs> maybe that other stuff's acting, but it was quite sad. Like yeah. you're sharing something quite unique, right? Like how often in our world do we ever just like break away? You mean have no interaction with the world, have no phone, no, sti- no st- nothing to st- like stimulate you. And you're there just connected to people. Mm. Like 12 people, it's quite a small group. And it was like quite emotional, quite deep. You mean a lot of laughs, a lot of fun. But like you're sharing something quite special that we don't do and, and we're animals. And I think it's like the most primitive place we can go is like a space like I'm a celeb. Yeah. yeah. Are, you, are you super close with people from the show now? I actually caught up with a few this morning, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I am... Um, yeah, pretty close. Obviously, life happens as well. Like, you know what it's like. Once you, once you leave sort of school or, yeah. or something like that, you're, sort of, you're always going to be mates because you share something quite special. But, mm. like, life happens. I actually made a list on my phone because I, I remember thinking that a couple of weeks ago and I made a list on my phone because I'm like, I've met so many amazing people in my life that I'm like, I want to stay in touch with them for the rest of my life. So, so where, I mean, we, where, where were we on the list? Yeah, mid-pack. Okay. Mid? <laughs> You're on the list. <laughs> yeah, like like high, high mid? I don't know if high I should, mid? I don't know if I should, yeah, high mid. I don't know if I should say this on the podcast. I've said this to you before, but I remember when I split up with my ex-missus, she knew my password, so I changed my passwords and I put your boy's name in the password. Oh, yeah, that's right. I remember that. <laughs> I don't know if I should say that on the podcast. No, well, we should be high. Like, yeah, that's, that's, we're, we're password yeah. level. That's like low high. Yeah, that is actually... It's just after I was on the on the on the podcast, I was like, what do I what do I make it? <laughs> I love that I was your password. Yeah. <laughs> that nice. pumps me up. Yeah. But then when you hear your mid-pack, it sort of changes it a little bit. You're like, well, again, thought maybe if you're a password level, you'd not top, <laughs> but you're like closer to the top. Yeah, you. close to mum and dad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I would say it more as like Cooper Cronk on the level, like the the hierarchy of great halves he's not an immortal but he's a rung he's below clo- yeah we're a rung below but he can see the top rung as yeah. well that's how i would sort of picture tom and i yeah. in your friendship <laughs> circles <laughs> you are listening to all talk with tom and eddie from the hello sport podcast and we are speaking to olympic bronze medalist harry garside going for gold 2024 now harry do you watch the show back once you're done and like do you have any reflection on like the way you're portrayed on there or is it pretty straight like the way they show you. I, I haven't watched it back. I know I'm, I'm 90% sure that everyone else has watched it back, but I, I obviously come back to some pretty heavy stuff. And yep. I am like went from the most positive experience, like that was one of the best experiences of my life, besides obviously the Olympics and a few other things. And then to go into something negative, I yep. didn't want to watch it because I didn't want to tarnish the positive experience with a negative experience. So oh, yeah. I still haven't watched it. I feel like I'm personally mentally coming to a really, really good headspace. So I feel like I'll probably watch it before the year's out for sure. What was it like coming back and like just f- like did you know before walking out of the airport that they were all waiting there for you and the cops were coming and all that sort of shit? Nah. So I did know <clears throat> I did know something was up 
when I landed in South Africa. So I I've, I leave Australia, everything's fine. Oh. And then I I find out a few things when I land in South Africa and we've got like maybe four days and you lose your phone for three of them. So I find out there's a bit of a panic. I'm like, oh, Heck what dear. the hell's going on? And then I call some people who I know could help in those situations. And then um, you kind of forget about it, right? Because I knew I did nothing wrong. Yeah. And I'm like... Like there'll be nothing happened when I when I get back. I knew I did nothing wrong, and then I'll I come back and it was like it's a pretty interesting story. You pick up your bags and with my dad we've just flown business class for the first time, and the border security are like, "Harry, come through here." I'm thinking, "Who's this?" I know who I am. Come this way, Dad. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, Dad. Shortcut. And I walk in. I walk in. There's just like four coppers there, and my heart instantly drops. I'm thinking, "What have I got in my bag?" Chappelle Corby oh, yeah. like, You start panicking right But again still not thinking I didn't think instantly yeah. no And then as soon as I sat down And there was some detectives And I was like oh, I knew what was going on And um, I pretty much I pretty much said like mate You can have a look at my phone now And this will all be over But I understand they've got to do their job And um, yeah it was a shit situation to walk into yeah. A terrible situation. You, were you frustrated at the way it was handled in the sense that it's like, obviously, like, you know, they're doing their job based on accusations and shit, but like right at the airport, media, like all that shit, it seemed like. Tip and off. And especially in the fullness of time, like it was a bit of a, let's get this famous guy, let's get as much attention on this as possible. It, def- it definitely felt like that, yeah, for yeah. sure. And and for the charges that they were, it wasn't like they were actually proper assault charges. It was common yep. assault. Right. Common assault is like almost like road rage, right? Oh, so really? It's like it's like quite low form where it's like a letter in the mail would have been sufficient. Like enough, yeah, sufficient enough for that. Um, and with the evidence that they had, but also as well, like I don't know, they're doing their job, and and I don't know, like I I'm grateful I'm through it now. When I was when I was like going through it, I was like so angry. Yeah. Mm. But like now I'm like. Uh, I couldn't really care less. Like one door closes, another door opens and it, it, everything is always an opportunity, not a problem. And I, I learned more. I'm so grateful that situation happened because I learned more this year than any other year. Yeah. I turned into a man this year. Yeah. I'm so happy. Was it frustrating? Like you, you say you were sitting there and the detectives like, man, I can show you your phone now. We'll just clear this up here. That it took as long as it did. Yeah. Is like, is that just like, are they being thorough? Is it getting drawn out? Like, are you just sitting there going, mate? Yeah. And just more. This the, should be done. The reputation will damage. 100%. Right? Yeah. yeah. It's like, they obviously didn't know what I had on my phone, but like, to think, I, I probably lost half a million dollars worth of like opportunities in that. And I'm a boy who come from no money, right? Yeah. That, that stuff sets you up for life. 100%. Yeah. Like, be smart with it. Yeah. And, yeah, that that's frustrating, but it's also like I'm 26. I just turned 26, so it's like I've got so many years to make that back. Mm. Um, and as well, like as I just said before, like I'm I'm so grateful that situation happened. It's, I know that sounds so stupid, but I learned more in that last six months than any other period of my life. And um, you know who's real, who's not real, who reaches out, who stays quiet, who leads, a, who lends a hand. Yeah. You I mean, prime example, Hamish McLaughlin, you ever heard of him? Yeah, the Channel 7. Channel 7 host, yeah. yeah. Like, he didn't owe me any loyalty, but he's a really, really good man. I've been over to his house a couple of times, very early in our friendship. But I did something with him. I recorded it in January, and it was, it was like, quite big. I was quite happy to be a part of it. And I was thinking, he kept trying to call me after, and I was, like, really panicked because everyone just ran for the hills. All my brand deals and stuff like that ran for the hills. Mm. And I'm thinking, he's just going to – it's just going to be another one. He's yeah. just going to run for the hills as well. 
I finally build the courage up to answer his phone call and he goes, how you feeling, mate? I'm like, oh, like, to be honest, like I'm <laughs> pretty flat right now. And he's like, didn't say anything about that. And I said, he's like, right at the end of the call, he's like, this is it's being launched on this date. I'm like, you're still going through with it? He's like, yeah, absolutely, mate. Absolutely, I'll never turn my back on you. Yeah. I'm like, he owed me nothing. And he was like, and you, so in moments like that, you see who's real and who's not, right? Yeah. And I'm really grateful for that because like, I think I was a young boy when I first sort of come into fame. And I don't know, now I feel like I'm, like, it sounds so stupid, but a man. Yeah. Which is nice. Well, f- yeah. You know, it's, a, it's, a, it's such a hectic, hectic experience to have to go through that. And one where you're like, you could be forgiven for losing your faith in humanity generally, right? Where you're just going like, Jesus Christ, like the the gravity of false accusations like that and like what they can do to you, obviously monetarily, but just generally, right? Like it's done. Everything you've worked, like like you could be forgiven for being like bitter and like, you know. Did you, have you found it difficult to, to sound like Oprah, but to trust again? <laughs> <laughs> um, to love again do you know yeah. what I mean though it's, right yeah like, I've, I've wrote so many po- I've been writing heaps of poetry recently because it's quite heavy emotion and I wrote heaps of poems about that like I, I never want this situation to take away from this it's like I'm going to say because I'm quite deep but like take away my ability to love like I won't let it beat me like that because mm. you think about love and I don't know if you like feel it with your kids with your partner like it's the most pure thing and I, oh, yeah. I love when I'm in love with someone and I love when I'm sharing my life with someone and I never want never want that situation to, to take that away from me. Absolutely, there's a lot to unpack and I haven't started properly dating or allowing myself to fall in love again, but it will come. Mm. It will come. But like, absolutely, there's a bit to unpack in it. Yeah. <laughs> a few trust issues now. <laughs> yeah. Shocker. So, yeah. Yeah, shock horror. Is yeah. that something that you feel like you need to actively seek help to like unpack? Yeah, or is I, it you just think that time's probably going to be enough for you? Time's always a big thing, but I've always seeked help. Yeah. Like, yeah, I've always seen sports psychs or psychologists, and I'm like a big one of, like, I always want to be better. Even, like, I know everyone I tell this to is, like, looking at me like I'm stupid because they know the situation, but even that whole situation, right, I have to take some accountability in making that situation occur, right? How it's so? Like, as in, like, in a relationship, we both bring problems to it, Right. We're not, per- neither of us are perfect mm. and we're all wounded children acting like adults. And that's what happens in a relationship. And I've got to take some responsibility in how I showed up in the two years that me and my ex-partner were together. So I, and I will reflect on that and I'll grow. So a situation like that never happens again, right? Mm. And I'll, I will try and, and critique myself as much as I can so I can be a better partner, a better son, better friend. Is there an element of that and... Is there an element of that though where you're sort of like blaming yourself for something like for someone else's actions in that regard where it's like, you know, everyone brings their own shit, right? But like, it's not your fault in any way for like that sort of level of an outcome. Yeah. Do you reckon? Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because my, I think my natural standpoint being, I don't know if it was from my upbringing, but it comes from like, I'll throw myself under the bus before I blame anyone else, right? Yeah. And individual sport, it's like when you lose, it's on you. It's on you. you. It's on, yeah. you. It's on no one else. Mm. Um, so I understand that's probably my standpoint, but I do understand that also is a big asset to have because it'll always make me reflect on my own actions mm. so I can be better and show up better um, as a friend, partner, son, whatever. 
Yeah. This is all talk with the Hello Sport podcast coming to you on SEN, and we are speaking to Harry Garside. Now, Harry, how relieving was it then when, because like, even before we were talking about, like, it took a while for things to, for the police to sort of do what they did, but I think I remember you saying, like, comparative to some people, it actually kind of turned around quite quickly, right? Where they dropped all the charges and then it's now flipped. That, like, must have just been one of the great weights off your shoulder. And then to see, you know, obviously there's a it's tinged with a little bit of, like, maybe cynicism, but, like, how quickly everything sort of... people have, the, the general uh, sentiment has changed back to being, like, holy f***, poor f***ing through it. Like, <laughs> how's that experience been like where it's like, everything's gone, oh, shit, now it's all coming back. Yeah, it was that, that month, so it was four weeks. So four weeks I got charged on the second or something, and, and four weeks later it was it was all over. And... Just like that month, like to think about the depths of hell that I was in and then to have that relief and weight lifted off the shoulders when, when it was, I guess, over for myself uh, was was massive. And I guess it just, like as I said before, and I, I'll keep saying everything's always an opportunity, not a problem. Like it sort of was to propel forward that I needed. I, I made a deal to myself in the jungle that I'm going for the Olympics. I'm going to try and do something that's never been done and win a gold medal for Australia in, in boxing. And it's like that situation just made me have to focus on that because I couldn't sit in my bedroom and be sad mm. because it was just like, if, if I did that, I would just, I'll probably would still be there. Yeah. Mm. Um, so I just focused on my goals for that whole month. And then when it was all over, I could fully properly just like sort of cut the, cut the, the ties with, with that whole situation and focus on Paris 2024. Before you went to the jungle, but I guess once it was out, like once it had been publicised that you were going to go, there was like some shit with your boxing trainer at the time and like I guess you separated from him there. At that time were you – well, I guess the article was kind of like, oh, you're not – you weren't you weren't going to box anymore. At least that was maybe the inference or maybe that's just my memory, but like – I think it was professional boxing. Professional boxing. Were you always? Was that the plan? Were you like, oh, I just want to try for the Olympics? Like, how? What was that situation? So, I guess to answer that question, I have to go back last year. So, a big portion of last year, I was, I felt quite lost, and I, I couldn't put my finger. I remember like <clears throat> August, September last year, I was just like really lost, and I didn't really know what was going on, and and I can happily say or easily say now that I think it was because I was so disconnected to myself, like. As a young boy, I wanted to win a gold medal. It wasn't a bronze medal. Like, mm. that was, like, a success. It was great, but it, I wanted to win a gold medal. And, and Australia's never done something like that, and, and that's what I wanted to do. And I think they shine some money at me after the Olympics, and I, and I walk in that direction, right? Every fighter on my leg besides one did the exact same thing. They didn't win gold, some of them, but they all turned professional after. And, mm. and I thought that was a natural progression, but I felt really disconnected to myself most of my pro professional boxing career. And I think it's because... I turned my back on that young kid. That young kid almost was a sellout, right? And I I was tossing up. There was three options at the end of last year, whether I walk away from boxing altogether, whether I stick a professional boxing, set myself up for life with some money and some opportunities, but be disconnected to myself or make no money, but be reconnected to myself and try for the Olympics and win a gold medal. And I actually gave the jungle the place where I was going to figure that out. I was like, this is a hassle because I was still undecided mm. on what to do. And then I come out of it or halfway through the jungle, I'm like, nah, I'm going for the Olympics for sure. For sure. And and I, ever since I come out, I'm just like full steam ahead. Going for 2024, it. yeah. So, Sick, dude. So what was it about the jungle that got you, that, you know, gave you the clarity? So it has, has to be like, it was the stripping away of the ego. 
right? When you're living in a big city like this, and I've never lived close to a city like like this before, and living in like the east of all places too, and being built up, I guess, by my professional career, getting a lot more media opportunities and stuff like that. That's like the ego. The ego wants me to stay in that. The ego likes that. The ego loves that. Wants the money, wants the fame, wants the attention. That's what you get in professional mm. boxing. And when I went on, it sounds so so weird, almost like ironic, because I'm on a TV show, which is getting attention. But in that, you sort of forget you're on a TV show. And everyone there was just like treating me like Harry. And I felt like it was a stripping away of the ego. And I felt like a little boy again who just had a dream of being an Olympic gold medalist. Yeah. Yeah. Was, was there any part of that boy, though, that saw that the next step into professional boxing? Or did you just... Was there never really any plan to fall into professional boxing? It just sort of happens after the Olympics. Like, I'm just trying to work out how you saw professional boxing versus amateur Olympic boxing. So, actually, I, I think growing up, I always thought that was a natural progression. But then I got into professional boxing and, and I realized that it was like, I've got, I'll probably go back to it after the Olympics for sure. Like, yeah. absolutely. But I also. Like, Australia's never won an Olympic gold medal for boxing. Like, I'm trying to do something that's never been done before. Yep. And, and, like, I fell in love with sport growing up in memories like John Aloisi, Ubi Ilti, mm, scoring that yeah. goal in 2005, yeah. Grant Hackett in 2004, all the amazing moments watching Australia in the Com Games, the Olympics, anything Australian, the Ashes, like, I'm I'm locked in, right? Yeah. Perkins, 96. <laughs> yeah. Well, I wasn't, I wasn't old enough. Yeah, it was 97. Lane 8. <laughs> Lane 8. I've yeah. watched it. What, what the fuck? <laughs> Lane <is> 8. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah, what a race. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One for the ages. Um, but yeah, I grew up watching stuff like that, right? And mm. and I and I understand you could probably do that in professional boxing, but it's just very it's very different. It's an individual thing where I think representing Australia, putting on the green and gold, that's like a patriot patriotism. Every kid mm. wants to go to the Olympics. Every kid wants to wear the green and gold in their chosen sport. I love that. Mm. I love that. Because they're my favourite memories too, Olympic memories, oh, from yeah, like a absolutely. sporting perspective. Two thousand was the shit yeah me. we we like i feel like that's my happy place the yeah, year yeah, 2000 yeah the world made sense back then so you were saying in the green room earlier that uh is it next week or next month one of the big qualifying events for uh paris 2024 is coming out yeah so it's end of november so we um <clears throat> pretty much between now and then it's just heavy training we're going to europe next next month for like three weeks um some competition mostly training mm. And then the big one's nine weeks away. We've got the Pacific game. So you've got to win that one. Um, Australia usually has a big success rate <clears throat> at the Pacific games, but those are on the countries. You can never overlook them in a yeah. sport like boxing. So athletic, can bang usually. Mm. And and you don't really know who they are, so you can't can't find any footage on them. So you've got to um, uh, adapt pretty quickly. Yeah. Shit. yeah. How are you reflecting on this preparation versus uh, for Tokyo? Is it completely different? Is it is it feeling like slipping into an old pair of jeans? Does it feel like home? Yeah, it's funny. Like I, I love getting deep. So I was about to apologise for it, but I love it. Um, Don't apologise. Yeah, there was there was a big resistance to it, right? Because I've done so much work on myself, and and I've always knew that there was something there was a miscreant in me, and I and I just knew that something wasn't right inside myself from an early age, right? There was like, I feel like. I'm swinging between a pendulum, right? I'm the happiest guy in the room or I don't want to be here, mm. right? I've, and I feel like I've been swinging that pendulum for a long time. Very rarely am I in the middle, mm. right? And I just, it sounds, but I, it's it's not about ridding yourself of those things. It's about learning to manage them, like for myself. That's, mm. And I think there was a big resistance because 
in order for me to be successful for most of my boxing career prior to Tokyo and Tokyo, I fed this little beast inside of me that just felt like I was so small. I was shit. Every training session wasn't good enough. Mm. You mean, I just was like so hard on myself. And every time you lost, you're critiquing yourself more. Even when you win, you're like, nah, you can do better. It's not the Olympic goal. Like, if that makes sense. everything mm. was so negative. Mm. And post Olympics, I really worked on myself a lot. And I feel like for the first time in my life, I feel more secure in my own skin than I ever have before. And I'm almost like there was like a big resistance to trying for, t for Paris because I was like, I know the pattern that's worked before. Mm. And in all, I think in order to win a gold medal, I have to feed that little beast yep. more, more than I ever have before. Yeah. And I'm like, I feel happy in my own skin than I ever have. And I'm like, I'm like, Just start to <laughs> enjoy myself. <laughs> I'm like terrified of it, but I'm also like, I've been talking to sports psychs and a few people about it because I do believe that that could also be the thing that made me a bronze medalist, not a gold medalist. Ah. Right? Because it's like someone like a Tom Brady, Serena Williams, Tiger Woods, they believe they're the best. Yep. Kelly Slater, they yeah. know they're the best. Mm. They're just performing, right? Yeah. And me always critiquing myself, always going, you're not good enough. It's like that was playing into it, right? Yeah. Fully. So you flip that on its head and absolutely have the same attention to detail when it comes to training and showing up and putting everything into it but change a few things with your mindset hey you are an olympic gold medalist you can do this like f no, it's not you're not good enough have you found that has maintained a more positive outlook generally in your preparation <laughs> yeah have you still found it difficult it's like still you, early days yeah. it's still very early days so i've only fought in one tournament i guess since the jungle was that where you went over to like kyrgyzstan or some shit or uh, that was early this year that was before the jungle oh okay was that before the jungle oh, yeah right. yeah um but yeah i was, it was in perth we fought at the national oh, okay. title so um but yeah it's very early and i guess in the preparation but i have noticed like the tendencies it's like we, we, we're patterns we run the same patterns non-stop mm. and i have noticed in some of my training sessions i saw myself going Dog. <laughs> which is a good thing right it makes sure but as long as you're not like leaving there going like feeling it yeah feeling it right here's another one boys sorry oh okay. all right, what are we doing you've done this one before it's touched something and it's the shit oh, yeah, well, you're in the you're yeah, in the velvet you're in the velvet 1970s everyone loves that chair five-piece modular just be in it even just like feel your shorts that's stupid just yeah 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 shout out to uh quick dry material it's elite. <laughs> so it's denim. Is this denim or is denim a color? That's denim. Yeah. Denim's a. Uh, I know it's a material, it's but a, like, it's a cotton, isn't it? Yeah. Denim's a cotton. Yeah. We've been over this. Time. Yeah, we have. We've been over this. Uh, but what are you saying to yourself when you know you've, you're into like your your eighteenth round on the bag or sparring or something, and you're just hurting every party aching? Are you? Do you, is there like a mantra you've got? Do you find yourself reflecting on the same thing or saying the same thing? Or is it horses for courses? It's, oh, there's probably a lot of like swear words in it. Just you <laughs> weak dog. Like, yeah, but it's always like, I just, it's almost like, I feel like I'm quite addicted to just seeing, I'm sure Ned Brockman could probably talk into this more than anyone, but it's just like addicted to see how far I can push it, right? And it's like, someone messaged me on Instagram recently, like I'm a boxer, I'm lacking a bit of motivation and, and I was like trying to think of an answer for him. And I actually just think like, I'm addicted to seeing how far I can take this, whatever it is, whether it be boxing, triathlons, mm. anything physical, and just seeing how far I can take it, right? So is that like when you're in, say, like a hectic session though, does that even, 
does it does that energy or that approach pertain to like even just see how hard I can flog myself right now? Yeah, training in this very moment, like it, yeah, it's very much and it it really helps when you're younger, right? But I'm only 26, but I have noticed in the last two years. You're recovering slower. Your muscles are aching a little bit more. <laughs> exactly right. But when when you're 18, 19, you can you can thrash yourself with no yeah. recovery. Um, but yeah, I think I don't know. Every session, it's almost like bullet gate. Let's go. Let's set like let's and not every session am I reaching my PBs. Not every session, but every session I'm like trying to push myself. And I think every high performing athlete does right. It's just part of part of what you have to do because if you don't do it, someone else is going to do it, and they're yeah. going to. When you show up, are you training every single day? Do you have day off? I, I'm supposed to have Sundays off, but I, f- I find it fucking pretty hard to be honest. You just want yeah. to, you just want to like, I just always want to move my body, and I always find when I don't train, there is periods like after comp, like I put after Perth a few weeks back, I put on ten kilos in two weeks. Like, don't worry, I was having a good old time. Ten so, kilos in two yeah. weeks. So oh. I've always been like just an extremist, like a great man. Good friend of the podcast, Ned Brockman. Yes. Um, he said moderation's for cowards. And I couldn't agree, <laughs> couldn't agree more. And that's that's in everything, positive or negative. Yeah. Moderation is for cowards. I subscribe to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, I'm a big moderation. moderation is for cowards. No, is. I completely agree with that. Everyone's always like, oh, because like, I've given up coffee this week. It was like this time last week, I was probably for having- just this week? Oh, well, this week, I always set little goals for myself every week. This week's coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll probably, I feel great. So, like, I didn't feel good three days, two days no, ago. Yeah, yeah. But I feel good now. Um, but it's like this time last week, I was having seven coffees and some of them are double shot. It's just like I'm everything a, is extreme. I'm a huge I get a Macca's large ice. Oh. Like. <laughs> it's too much. I go, Tom, He's that's always ridiculous. Like, you, like, you, you, don't, you don't need the 4XL, mate. I do, though. <laughs> you don't. It's nice to sip on <laughs> The VB long there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, outrageous. Yeah, yeah. This is all talk with Hello Sport. We're on SEN, and today we're talking to Aussie boxing sensation Harry Garside. Now, Harry, how are these uh, – are they still called amateur competitions? Or are they – like, how would you describe Olympic boxing? Is it's not amateur anymore, or it is? Yeah, so professional boxers can go, but it's still classified as amateur boxing. Right. Um, they probably shouldn't. They probably should change the wording of both amateur and professional. It's just three round boxing. It's just, it's like a tennis tournament. You lose, you're out. Yep. You mean you can fight the best guy first up. You can fight the worst, the worst guy first up. Just the luck of the draw, I guess. But I um, the standard. I've really thought about this recently. The standard between like amateur and professional. I think. Professional is a business. I do think the quality is higher. Like yeah. at that top end, the quality is pretty good. Canelo Alvarez, yeah. the lightweights at the moment, they look amazing. Like I think the quality is better because money's involved. But I think overall, I think amateurs is more honest and more pure because like you don't get to pick who you fight. You don't get to have a cushioned record until you're 20 and 0 and you're in rated because you've fought all the, you've picked and chose who you're yeah, fighting. Yeah. Like, you, I could go next year, right, train my, and I could fight the guy who wins the gold medal in my first fight, right? You mean? Or, so it's not or seated. Vice versa. No, there is some seedings, but like it's very, very minimal. Very right. minimal. Yeah. So it's just the luck of the draw. How often can you fight in a day? How many times? Once what, a day. Just once? Yeah. Yeah, once a day. And there has to be like, I think it's like 12 hours between fights. Like, say if you fight at night, you can't fight until like tomorrow the next day or something like that. Yeah, so right. There is a couple of rules, but it's very much just one, one a day. Um, the hard thing about amateur boxing, you got to weigh in every day you fight. So, like, 63 and a half is going to be a push. Oh, so you can't cut, really? 
You can, you can, but you just got to be very careful about what you put on because you got to weigh in the next time you fight. So is it kind of better then that you that you got to weigh in every day in the sense that you're you're fighting more at your true weight, or are you just constantly cutting? You can't. Yeah, you're constantly cutting. You can't. You can't cut as much as professional boxing. Definitely not. Like I, in professional boxing, I was making 61, 61 easy, and then you put like I put on like seven or eight kilos in thirty hours, and then you fight the next day, right? And you're fine because you don't have 61. to weigh in again. Yeah. What do you weigh generally now? Like what would you 70? 70 yeah. So what do you fight at? 63 and a half. Yeah. yeah. So you're so still cutting a little bit. Still cutting a bit. My, I think my optimal training weight would be like 68. Yep. That's what I feel like really good. Like not feeling sick at any point. Not feeling mm. lack of energy. Um, but yeah, like it's, that's the hard thing. You're almost like you fight nine minutes. It's a short fight. Nine minutes, fast pace. And then after your fight, every boxer is getting in their sweat gear, getting ready for the next weigh-in. You have a harder session after your fight than what you do fighting. Wow. Because you want to make weight again. You're going to make and weight. And then you put it back on and then you fight. And then yeah. you, Jesus yeah. Christ. And how many fights can you have in a tournament? A big tournament like the Olympics, no more than five. No more than five. Yeah, so Com Games 2018, I have five fights in 10 days. Yep. Yeah. Damn. What's the tactics like for a three-round – how long are the three, – three minutes? Three threes, yeah. Three threes? Like what's the – obviously the tactically – I assume it's a little bit different than when you've got a uh, like a longer professional fight. Yeah, it, it's it's one of those things, right? Because you know who you're fighting usually in the professionals one month, two months, three months in advance. Yep. So you can prepare. You can get all your sparring tailored to the person you're fighting. It's like in amateur boxing, you just got to prepare for everyone. And I think the best athletes are the ones who can adapt the quickest. Because it's like you get in there after a minute, you've read the bloke already, and you go, okay, these are, this is what he does, this is what he likes to do, like, and you can read it very quickly. And the bet right. that's in a minute, it's yeah, it's pretty quick. And that's what <laughs> getting, getting deep again. My childhood, right? Like, I love my mom's bitch. She's an amazing lady, but she was raising three boys, and I'm the youngest. And I used to have to like walk in, and my mom was that stressed out that like I'd walk in, and either my mom's flipping it or like my mom's okay but it was just very much like i felt so uneasy walking into my house and i'd have to read my mom's energy quickly right yeah and that's one of the gone. biggest assets to have in boxing so yeah. thanks mom appreciate it because that's all boxing is right you're, you're walking in and you're just you're just reading the guy's energy reading him real quick what's he doing where's he twitching like what what can i f you in make him do make him fight my fight like how can i and that's that's all boxing is it's the best so you're reading like, just like, t what, like almost body tells and shit, like... Yeah, I don't know if it's like consciously, but I very much do think it is subconscious. Like, it's very primitive and yeah. primal. And, yeah. and I think, just like any sport, right? Like, when you see Kelly Slater surfing, it's like, he's not thinking, he's just doing. Yeah. Yeah, it's so... Flow state. So instinctual and just, it's just happening. Like, he's just in the flow, yeah. Are you almost watching yourself going, f***? Dude, nice punch. Like, you know what I mean? Like, where'd, you, where'd that come from, bro? That was mad. There, there is some, sometimes inspiring. I probably haven't felt that that much in, in a fight, but sometimes inspiring when you spar, like when you're in flow and you're sparring someone who's probably a bit lesser than you. And you're f***ing good. Do you think, jeez, that was good? It <laughs> <laughs> doesn't happen that often. <laughs> what do you think about, like, the state of... Like do you, or do you keep a close eye on the state of boxing in Australia now and, like, globally? Like, do you enjoy the professional side of it? I, I love I love sport in general, right? But I don't particularly follow it too much. But I do know that we're in a golden era of boxing right now. Yeah, like this is an exciting time. Obviously, what Tim Zhu is doing overseas, about to fight in Gold Coast soon against Mendoza, who's like the second best guy in the division besides Charlo, obviously. But he's yeah. fighting Canelo. That's like neither of those boys needed to take that fight, and it's like.
respect that so much. Yeah. Mano v Mano, let's let's get Tim's it. Tim's been pretty cool like that since since uh, Charlo's been. I mean, it's be hard third. for me that to be say third he's fight. ducking, considering <laughs> I'm a, who I am. The fact that he has been taking all these fights in between, it's almost like uh, already respected him, obviously. But like, he's got more respect. Well, he's got way more respect, I think, from the 100%. general public as well. Like, just for the, it's it's like holy shit, this guy's. Yeah, he's he's, he's not taking the easy fights. Yeah, and I love that. And this is going to be an absolute belter of a fight. Absolute belter. That Mendoza hasn't. He's fought three times, <clears throat> I think three knockouts in a row against class opponents. Like he's he's really good, really crafty. He wasn't expected to win most of those three fights, but he's 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 on the, he's on the like he's on the projects up, and and so is Tim. So it's a f- great fight, great fight for boxing. Why don't you watch it? Just not like that that interested generally, or is it like is there part of it? That there's some sort of like so like all sport. I love I love watching the art. It's like watching. <laughs> this is a weird one, but I went to a a piano concert when I was in Melbourne. Mm. Like this guy was like world famous. Mm. I just love watching someone who's like amazing at what they do, mm. world best or whatever. They could be the the best ticket inspector, and in, you know what I mean. Just like just watching them. That's go very specific. <laughs> I'm like thinking. Yeah, Best parking officer of all time. <laughs> yeah. Look how efficient he is. Look just look at the way he moves. <laughs> Look at him, you know what I'm saying? Some really good. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> but like, I think um, what were we talking about? Uh, <laughs> just about why, why, like, why don't you watch boxing? Oh, yeah. I think I, I love watching the art, but I um, I'm a doer. I like doing things. Uh, okay. Yeah, I don't like. I'm. I like being in the arena. I don't like critiquing. You do like you do a bit of commentary as well, right? With the uh, main event and stuff. Do you enjoy that? Yeah, it's <laughs> there's something about live TV that is just such a thrill because it's like you could. Life up right now. It's <laughs> yeah. such a thrill to it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's a lot of fun. And obviously, like post boxing, I hope I'm going into something like that. Um, obviously, we like to do things as well. Like a big portion of my life has been so self focused on my goals, my dreams, my ambitions, where it's like I've felt it in the last couple of years, where it's like I think there's a natural thing that life isn't actually about us as individuals. It's about the impact we can have on other people. Mm. You probably notice that when you're a father, like, or, or you're helping other people with, with whatever. So I definitely think I'd love to go into commentary, but I also want to do something where it's like you're giving back while also being rewarded as well. Mm. This is All Talk. We're Hello Sport on SEN. And today we are talking with Aussie Boxing's own Harry Garside. Harry, you said last time we were on here, and I remember Tom told the story about you like to put yourself in situations that make you uncomfortable, like you were washing windows and stuff. What have you been up to lately? I've done Anything a, you want to share? Yeah, I've done a few good ones. Um, so like, I don't know how uncomfortable, maybe <laughs> this is probably a funny story. Um, I was at, I went to a nude beach. Oh, yeah. I, I, I love getting naked. I'm well, I've seen you in a zoot suit. He's got his hogged up. It was <laughs> yeah. after a run or something. I'm like, yeah, I could see that at a nude beach. I could sure. pretty much see it anyway. <laughs> the Sunshine Coast. And I look up online, where like, where's it hidden nude beach? And, and, I, and I go to this beach. It's, it's pretty early in the morning, maybe like 9 o'clock. No one on the beach. I'm thinking, what? Anti-climax. Yeah, anti-climax. So I'm, I'm sitting there, just got naked, just, just sitting there having a good time. And then like 10 Asian tourists, fully clothed, walking. And I'm thinking, <laughs> I think I've got the wrong <laughs> beach. <laughs> I think I've got the wrong beach. And I'm messaging about the, the people who helped me, helped me find the place. I'm like, I think I'm at the wrong beach because they just dropped me off. There were two girls. They dropped me off and they went to another beach. I think about the wrong beach. <laughs> oh my so God. I'm just like dude. laying there naked. <laughs> Asian tourists are walking past. I'm like, were you at the wrong beach? at the wrong beach? Well, we ended up doing, so there was a smaller beach, like like the one across. So yes, I was at the wrong beach. Oh my yeah. God. I'm lucky it was early in the morning. Big <laughs> sandy hog just laying <laughs> imagine, there. Imagine getting done for like, you know, indecent exposure or something yeah. like yeah. that. Okay, that's the last yeah. thing at the moment. Harry Garside's <laughs> found 
Mate, I respect I respect you doing that. I remember me and Ella were there's a, a nudist beach in like near Balmoral and I was like, Oh, we'll go down there nice day and she's like, If it's a nudist beach, I'm like, nah, there won't be anyone down there. Get down there and it's <laughs> like hundreds of nudists down there. Oh, and really? I was just like, we're just walking around me and Ella, and I'm like, maybe looking for a spot to like perch up. Not get naked, but like just get in the water. And then I just, just look at each other. I'm like, but like, I mean, going to a nudist beach and not getting naked, it's kind of like yeah, you're ex- drawing so much. You're, you're drawing more attention to yourself than the Too dude much. with his dick out. No, we like. were looking for like an area like there was, you know, a bit sort of quiet. Semi nude. Semi. Well, just like. Not nude. Not nude, right? <laughs> <laughs> we're on the wrong beach. Uh, but there was no part of me that's like. No. Nah, not my cup of tea. Yeah, this, I, this, I get it for it. Sorry, you go. Yeah, this month You're hogged up, so maybe that's oh, the yeah. <laughs> This month I'm doing, um, is it colonic? Is that what it's called? Oh, yeah. We, uh, yeah. Uh, I'm sort of running out of ideas. Like, there's a few things on my list that I, that I really need to tick off, like stand-up comedy. Um, yeah, I'm organising that yeah. in November. That's going to be an absolute cracker. because I'm, I'm. Can you let us know when you do it? <laughs> I don't Please think I'll be letting anyone know. know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm told we'll promote that, it on the podcast. I've told all my mates in high school, like, Make sure you let us know. We'll come. We won't even. I better all that. Maybe mates rock up. They don't. Just sit support. there. Like, no, exactly. It's like <laughs> mate of mine did it because he lost a bet. He like came last in his NFL fantasy, and he did it in New York. But one of my other mates filmed him doing it. It was one of the toughest watches I've ever. It been. was. It was. <laughs> shout out Johnny Gate. It was appalling. It, and and <laughs> you're like you just go like you're tr- you're transported into the room when he's doing. It. You're just like holy shit. <laughs> Where can we? How can we keep along with your journey? Are we going to be able to watch you in November? Is that uh, something I can tune into? Because I'd like to. Yeah, it's a good question. I think there probably would be a link somewhere. It's the Pacific Games in Solomon Islands. Okay. Um, there'll be a few other a few other sports as well um, that are going on. It's like a big multi-sport event. Yep. Um, but yeah, I think there would be a link. But pretty much between now and like I'm just traveling heaps. Like I won't be in Sydney that much. I love Sydney. I won't be in Melbourne that much. I love my, like Melbourne was, is where my family is. I'll just be like overseas or mm. interstate training or here and there, like just very much living out of a suitcase next year. What's the between now and that fight, or in the next year? Next year, yeah, right. Yep. Okay, in between now and your Pacific Games, are you're sort of pretty sedentary? Like you're not. Uh, so I do go to Italy and Germany next month just for competition and training. Oh shit, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then I come back for I think two weeks back to Melbourne. I'll be here in Sydney until then, but come back after Europe to Melbourne for two weeks and to Brisbane to train and to Solomon Island. So just always moving. Yeah. yeah. As an amateur, do you have to fund those trips yourself? I used to have to. So how, how shit's this, right? So 18 years old, fresh out of school. Um, I was working with my dad as a roof tiler, slave labour, 500 bucks a f- for a slave labour, like yeah. working really hard for my old man. And I was training in the morning and then I'd have to train at night after after work. And I tried for the Rio Olympics when I was 18 years old, took a few months off work trying to sort of get to the Olympics. Failed to make it and I still had to pay for the trips because I wasn't on the funding list. So I was on oh. $15,000 debt. Oh. <laughs> and I'm like on 500 bucks a week <laughs> trying to be an aspiring boxer. Um, but then fortunately, I think just before the Com Games, I got put on the funding list. So there's not many boxers that are on the funding list. But So you got put on specifically? Yeah, just like if you keep showing performances internationally, then, then you finally okay. get put on. But not every boxer is put on. Wow. Yeah. So some people do have to still pay to get over there. And Amateur athletes. Everyone always thinks like the swimmers and stuff like that are on, are on decent coin. I reckon the highest paid, they would obviously have brand deals, which would be quite decent if they got some personality. But I reckon the swimmers, the, the highest paid swimmer would be on like $80,000. Right? Outside of their brand deals. 
even I don't even know if they'll be on eighty thousand dollars now. I think about it because like I'm a podium athlete now, and I get a little bit of funding, and it's nothing near eighty thousand dollars. Yeah, shit. Yeah. Gee, like you think about like rowers and f- sailors and shit. Like you gotta be. F- they wouldn't get. They wouldn't get anything. Would. You gotta be dedicated. Seriously dedicated. So how? What does qualification look like? Like what needs to happen for you? So we've um we've had three, it's a three step process. Your yep. state titles mm-hmm. done. Yep. National title done in Perth recently, and then you got three chances internationally to qualify. And the first one is the Pacific Games. You got to win it. Yep. So if you win that, you qualify. If you okay. don't, there's two chances next year. But the aim is to qualify before Christmas, have a few beers with Dad at Christmas Day, and yeah. eat a bit of Christmas ham, yep. put on a bit of weight, and then yeah. next year it's just full steam ahead. Is there any is there any other Australians in your division, or you're the only only Australian? Okay, yeah. So yes. you just go over to Pacific Islands and beat everyone in the Pacific. That's the aim. Yep, beat them all. And so that's like no one from Asia, just Australia, New Zealand, and the islands. The last, yeah, just Australia, New Zealand, and the islands. And we yep. used to um. The last two Olympics, we had to go through Asia and f- it was so much harder. Yeah, I bet it was. So much harder. Like, prime example, 2012, we went through Pacific Games, full team we qualified. Mm-hmm. The next Olympics, we qualified three boxes. Yeah. Wow. And is that all of Asia? Is that like Iran and Iraq yeah, and like the Middle, yeah, East, Middle East? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah the yeah. best countries are boxing, Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan. Yeah. The two best countries, right? <laughs> They're in there. It's like, well, f- <laughs> well, let's go over there and pound yeah. some Pacific. Yeah. Ass. <laughs> 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 Thanks for coming on, man. Good to Legend. see you. Of course, boys. Thanks, Thanks brother. Good, Good luck. luck.